More Than a Movie is back with season two. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how to get comfortable with fear and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. People say, what are you afraid of, right? I'm afraid of fear because it's like, I want to confront anything in my life that feels challenging on those levels. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. Stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. Welcome to today's edition of the Clay Travis and Buck Sexton Show podcast. Welcome in, Clay Travis, Buck Sexton Show. I hope all of you had fantastic weekends and you are ready for what could be a fairly significant week as it pertains to certainly our national debt, to our national tax code, to whether or not the infrastructure and the Bernie budget is going to be passed. It is a monster week for Democrats on Capitol Hill. Can Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer deliver despite the feud between the progressives and the moderates over the cost of this bill? We will be talking about that all week. In Buck Sexton's home city, the vaccine mandate disaster is potentially going to play out in the New York City healthcare arena when a lot of different hospital employees are potentially going to refuse the vaccine mandate and may not be eligible to work. Also, controversy surrounding the NBA, believe it or not, many players in the league are anti-vaccine. They would not be able to play in New York City or in L.A., under requirements in those cities which demand that all athletes be vaccinated. That is a story because I think it ties in with the Black Lives Matter protest of vaccine mandates that is continuing to be discussed in a significant fashion. But we begin with what is the story that we told you we thought would get buried into Friday afternoon. Instead, it got buried into Saturday morning. All of those Haitian immigrants that were gathered under the bridge in Del Rio, Texas, not just Haitian, but majority Haitian, around 12,000 of them have been released into our country. That is what we have heard based on the statements of Secretary Mayorkas. Let us please hear, cut five here, as he explains what exactly took place? They're released on conditions, yes. and, and approximately, I think it's about 10,000 or so, 12,000. Have been released? Yes. And of the 5,000 that are still in process, 
we will uh, make determinations whether they will be uh, returned uh, to uh, Haiti uh, based on our public health and public interest uh, authorities. So what now we're that's about interesting. Of twelve thousand, or could it be even higher? It could. Uh, it could be even higher. Even higher potentially will than twelve thousand, and will be for sure. Now, Buck, here's what is the natural outcome of this. When you allow all of these Haitian illegal immigrants and other illegal immigrants through Del Rio, one of the first things they are going to do once they are in the United States is, one, they're probably never going to leave again. Let's start there. They're going to have kids. Uh, They are going to become residents of the United States in the shadow world of illegal immigration. But there's no doubt that this is a far better place to be than certainly Haiti, but in any of the Latin American countries they have gone to. So the significant outcome here, and I think you know it and we know it, and everyone who has a functional brain knows it is, all of these people will get on their phones and they will text their friends and they will call their friends and they will say, here is exactly what you need to do to also be able to get into the United States and uh, and get your kids and your families here and so what has already been a right. massive influx, Buck, is only going to get bigger. Yeah, and, and this is not in any way a surprise. I mean, we knew this was going to happen. We said, I've been saying on air that about 60, 60 to 70 percent of the people that show up are going to get it. Think about what that means for people who are listening right now who are legal immigrants. And there are a lot of them. Legal immigrants in the United States, they had to go through. I mean, I, I'm, you know, I have a lot of friends, Clay. I'm, I'm here in New York yes. City, right? So you have a lot of people who come here from all over the world. But I know, you know, in Tennessee, you got people that are um, legal immigrants too. And they go through years and they got to get the visa and the visa sponsored and they get the green card. They go through all this stuff, a lot of expense, time, effort. And so they pass, you know, eventually if they want, they pass a citizenship test and they do all these things. What you have going on here is people are saying, Oh, wait, you mean if I just show up? I'm going to get released. I'm going to get led into the United States and I get to stay. The answer is yes. It's actually not a complicated thing either. The real secret, and I'm not giving anything away because they already know this. The cartels know this. Show up as a family unit. You cannot be separated. You have somebody who says that they want to go through the asylum system. You'll be released into the U.S. pending a court appearance. You probably don't show up for that court appearance. The courts are backlogged to the point where. A few years ago, I think it got up to about seven or 800,000 pending cases they hadn't gotten to yet. It's going to be it's it's a huge backlog still. I don't know what the current number is. I'm sure they don't particularly want to publicize it. So some of these cases get delayed a year or two anyway. So if you show up in a year or two, let's say you want to show up to see maybe maybe I actually can get a real asylum claim, although under U.S. and international law, if you go to a third country. So if you go to Brazil, you're living in Brazil. You're no longer an asylum seeker as a person of Haitian origin you have at, to, the, yes. at the U.S.-Mexico border. You're supposed to go claim, this is about safety. This isn't about, I want better welfare benefits or a better job market. And to the point we made before, Clay, I'm, I'm sympathetic. I get it, right? I'd rather be I'd rather be in America than Chile, personally, I mean, as an American, but also just looking at it from an economic perspective. But even if they show up to that hearing, by the way, there's a separate hearing, an additional hearing that would be a deportation hearing. Do you think they show up to that one when they don't get the asylum? There's also no interior enforcement, even when there is an order of deportation. Clay, the border is open, which is why there's already reporting of Haitian migrants, more of them, who are on the way because 
Think of, by the way, even if you're in that 30%, because that's what I think the number is going to be that are actually deported or sent away, you know, or sent back, I should say. You try again. Yeah. Think about what the odds are here. You get a second shot at this. You learn the system a little better. You know what to do. No punishment for showing up a second time. They're not going to do anything to you. So why not? And what's interesting as well is this ties in with all this COVID vaccine mandate madness. You know who's not getting vaccinated for COVID when they come into the United States? All the illegal immigrants. You would think if you were truly obsessed, which is what the Biden administration claims that they are, with the idea of getting shots in arms, wouldn't you at minimum require all of these illegal immigrants to get vaccines yeah, what before about for their you release safety? them into the country? Right. I mean, it's a, it's a public safety issue, they would say, or public health issue. But don't they want to protect these migrants from the super dangerous coronavirus yes. virus that's uh, coronavirus? <laughs> sorry, that's going around all over the country. Um, but they don't. Why is that? Because actually, it's just, isn't it such an interesting question? They want to coerce everybody. They want to get you fired from your job or you can't fly or you can't. I mean, they haven't done the flying thing yet, but you know what I mean? They're using all these mechanisms, a lot of social pressure against some people. But other people get this get this pass. Not just the Haitian migrants, by the way, other people in our society. It's okay if they don't want to get the COVID shot. Why is that? I'll tell you this, Buck. I think they're not doing it because they're afraid that judges would strike it down. And then if you can't give the vaccine to illegal immigrants coming into the country, why in the world should you be forcing actual citizens to be able to get the vaccine? So I think the reason why they're not vaccinating all these illegal immigrants is because they know that if they tried to do it, it would get challenged. And then the courts may rapidly strike that down because it would be a mandate that they're actually enforcing as opposed to right now, what the federal government is doing is trying to force others to mandate it as opposed to a direct act themselves. The other thing here, Buck, are they... When when we see the drones and we see the 15,000 or the 12,000 or the 10,000, whatever it is under a Del Rio bridge, is the other thing that we are teaching all of these potential illegal immigrants come in a massive group because the Biden administration will be so eager to get that area cleared out that if you show up in an overwhelming human tide, your odds of getting into the country probably increase because politically the Biden administration just wants to do whatever expediency they can to keep the news from continuing to show those images. Of course, it it does add immediate political pressure to process them. And this is this is the huge separation where you have Democrats will say we're sending the Biden administration will say we're sending more border agents. Yeah, they're not sending them to create greater border security to stop the the you know the drug flowing from happening. The, The real primary purpose of it is expedited processing get in faster. for the yeah get them in faster bring them in i mean this is like if we were at uh you know we're going to a football game together this weekend right if you yes. put more people there not as security to keep people from you know running into the stadium but to take the tickets faster you, you know or or, or, to, or just to wave people in faster that's actually not going to have the intended effect if you believe in in trying to create some kind of a secure perimeter and that's what's going on with with the border right now. I mean, there's just a fundamental difference between what Biden and the Democrats and the left want to be going on there. And, and honestly, also what they say. I mean, they, they still 
lie to people about this. They'll they'll always fall back on this boilerplate. They'll always say things like, oh, it's a nation of immigrants. And, you know, we're doing this within the rule of law or within the system or they blame Trump. It's all these distractions. They don't want this to stop. And it's not going to stop. It hasn't all year. You had record numbers, about 200,000 plus a month, June, July, August, give or take. And it's going to keep going. I mean, when you start looking at the numbers, Clay, it's going to be close to 2 million illegal immigrants in the United States this year. Remember when there were about a million migrants that went into, uh, and they were invited, by the way, by Germany? Remember they made their way into Germany and Angela Merkel all of a sudden had a real had a real issue on her hands because the German people were like, whoa, we're going to have 2 million this year and everyone's yeah. acting like, yeah, you know, nation and of immigrants. it's important to, to emphasize that basically Trump had stopped this. Yes. Right? It's not only that we're going to have 2 million it's that the growth rate is so astronomical compared to what the Trump administration have been capable of doing, which is where we had started to see, Buck, net outflows. People were going back to their native countries more than they were coming in by the end of the Trump administration. And, and you have to also, you know, you mentioned this uh, about the vaccines, and that's another place where you see this. But there is a very strange thing in this country where because of the political uh, the political incentives Democrats actually have almost a separate category of law that applies to illegal immigrants, right? They, Democrats will, will make, will make excuses, not just for the difference in COVID policy, right? You go to a college football game, you know, you're a super spreader. 15,000 yes. people in an encampment at the border. Oh, we'd never say super spreader or something. Well, I mean, the virus doesn't care what the political rationale is, but beyond that, all kinds of things, whether it comes to even, you know, uh, filing taxes, document fraud, all these different areas of law where there's an excuse for legal immigrants because Democrats want to. It's true with the COVID stuff as well. I mean, it's true with the way that they were, they're hiding the numbers from us on a regular basis. Clay, they knew. They knew that over when this first happened, they just had a slow roll that it was going to be 12,000 that they had already let into America. They That wasn't we Mayorkas in front of Congress. I don't weekend. have that number right now. Bull crap. We knew we told you it was going to happen over the weekend. Uh, we thought it would happen Friday afternoon going into the weekend. And by the way, the way the media works, almost no one will actually mention this at all. And it's just inc- insanely frustrating to see and know that all we've done is incentivize the behavior to continue on an even more epically large scale. In the meantime, Maybe you need to save some money. How much difference could $800 on your cell phone mean to you and your family? Hundreds of thousands of people have said goodbye to their overpriced Verizon, AT&T, or T-Mobile cell phones and switched to Pure Talk. It's a 5G network just like those. Same towers, same ability. You can just save 50 or $60 a month. My own son has a Pure Talk wireless phone, and it is absolutely fantastic. Right now, you can get unlimited talk, text, six gigs of data on Pure Talk's 5G network for just $30 a month, and you can get hooked up in a big way. Buck, tell them how they need to do it. So easy. It's one of the best things. Pure Talk has a 30-day risk-free guarantee, so you literally have nothing to lose. This is so easy, so straightforward. If you don't like it, you don't have to keep it, but you're going to like it. From your cell phone, dial pound 250. From your phone right now, just dial pound 250 and say Pure Talk into your phone. You'll save 50% off your first month. That's pound 250, say Pure Talk. Going to save money, great service, and a 30-day risk-free guarantee. One more time, from your cell phone right right now, dial pound 250 and say Pure Talk. 
More Than a Movie is back with season two of the award-winning film podcast, and this time with a lot more movies. I'm your host, Alex Fumero, and each week I'm going to talk to the people behind some of my favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the OG spy kid, Alexa Penavega. You had Carlo Gugino, who's the coolest mom ever. You had Antonio, who's handsome, amazing, charismatic. And then Carmen and Juni. I felt like a lot of other kids felt like this could be me. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Every episode will feature interviews with the biggest actors, directors, writers, and producers behind your favorite films and tap into the history of Latinos in film. Listen to More Than a Movie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose Podcast. On Purpose is dedicated to helping you be happier, healthier, and more healed. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how he got comfortable with fear, navigating the changes in relationships, and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. This conversation shows a never-seen-before side to Orlando Bloom and his unique life journey. I think we all struggle sometimes to really deeply believe that we are enough, that we're valued, that we're valuable. You know, we're imprinted by our parents from the age of zero to seven, right? Mm. I'm constantly trying to go like, how do I detach from my, this idea of what, do, is, that, is that my baggage? It look like my baggage. I mean, I know, oh, okay, that's mine. Let's unpack that. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. The stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. They should treat them like they're treating the Afghans. We're bringing Afghans by the thousands into the country, and they deserve to be brought in because they assisted us in the war. And that's how they should be treating the Haitians, bringing in those who are eligible, vaccinating, and making sure that we're not simply trying to drive them back uh, with our border patrol on horses. That Haitians have been the victims of, uh, you know, not only our country, but Canada and France for years, historically. Yes, I think they're treated differently because they're black, because they're Haitians, and because traditionally uh, they have not been treated as human beings. Welcome back to Clay Travis and Buck Sexton Show. There was Maxine Waters. I, I just thought you should hear this. Member of Congress with... I mean, it's hard to fit so much wrong into one soundbite, but she she did a pretty pretty uh, impressive job there. First of all, the con- the the... Comparison between Afghans and and Haitians here in terms of Afghans who assisted in the war. Right. They, they, they were promised something by the U.S. government in return for a certain service. The Haitians have not been, did not and have not been. So that's a big difference. That's obvious to everybody I, anyway. But she does make it clear she wants them all to come in. And then, Clay, the other part of this, which was very clear 
as a distraction tactic, but also as a way of a virtue signaling and, and, a, and a kind of uh, pseudo moral elevation for the left here because they've kicked open the borders. This is the fault of the Biden administration. We all know it. But when they turn this into a racial narrative, whether it's the Border Patrol whipping people, which did not happen. That yes. is a fact. They lied. They lied for days about it. But then, I mean, additionally, to say that the Haitians are being treated poorly here, more than half of them have been let into the country already. I mean, like, what? what is what is she even talking about, right? But it's racism. When, when in doubt and you're in a political fight and you're a Democrat, just, just scream about racism. Well, that's the default position of the Democratic Party now. If you had to sum up the Democratic Party in three words, it would be everything is racist. And so Maxine Waters last week said that the whipping, which didn't happen, was worse than slavery. So she attempted to analogize the situation at our border to slavery, which is an insult to slavery, but also the inability to distinguish in her mind the difference between refugees from Afghanistan who spent years assisting the United States and would otherwise be murdered for their assistance, potentially, of the United States and are the primary targets of the Taliban, which I'm sure you saw, Buck. They're now hanging people and leaving their corpses in the center of town square yeah, from the kindler gentler yep. taliban is basically the exact same they're chopping hands off they are uh applying sharia law and there's no difference at all right to uh in many ways what the regime was when we went there 20 years ago so comparing that with the situation of haitian immigrants who are illegally attempting to enter our country is so wrong-headed and frankly, idiotic. Yes. That only someone like Maxine Waters could even make it. We'll come back in a moment here with the New York problem of kicking healthcare workers who don't get the shot out of their jobs. That means less health care for everybody in this city, in the biggest city in the country. We'll talk about it. Making sense of fast moving, fast growing housing markets is hard to do. You can only assume with all the money the federal government is putting into our economy, that's one of the outcomes. But it doesn't help with stability, and that's key for anyone focused on saving for retirement and building an IRA. You want stability for that, and it comes in the form of gold as an investment. It's much easier to purchase than ever before, and believe it or not, nearly just as easy to deliver to your front door. The first time I made this move, it was quite a moment. My friends at Oxford Gold took care of it all. Real gold delivered right to my home, and I was holding it in my hands. You think it's complicated to buy? It's not. Call my friends at the Oxford Gold Group now. 833-404-GOLD. You can have real gold delivered to your home or have real gold as part of your IRA. All it takes is a phone call. Give them a call now. 833-404-GOLD. Welcome back in. Clay Travis, Buck Sexton Show. Appreciate all of you hanging out with us. Want to let you know, download the podcast. Make sure you don't miss a single moment of this show. Fridays with Alex Berenson got a ton of play. And I understand a lot of you out there on the uh, iTunes charts, they've had some issues with uploading and showing up if you're a subscriber. So sometimes that happens for me, too. I like to see when those things hit the uh, the listen box, If uh, even as the host of the show. If that happens for some reason... 
just unsubscribe, hit refresh, and you'll see them. I don't know what causes that glitch. I'm sure it only happens to conservative podcasts, but uh, it is a a frustrating thing because a lot of people, you guys blow me up and say, where's the podcast? Where's the podcast? If it's not showing up within like an hour of this show ending, may need to unsubscribe, click refresh, boom, it's there, and you can subscribe again. I don't know what causes that. I'm not a tech guy. Uh, but I bet it happens more often to conservative podcasts than it does liberal ones. So uh, just FYI for those of you out there who are trying to make sure you don't miss a single moment. Buck, we came up with the idea of 15 days to stop the spread back in March of 2020. For those of you who remember that now iconic, I would say, phrase, ironic phrase, maybe more than anything else, because we're now whatever it is, 18 months into uh, into 15 days to stop the spread. But in your home city of New York, there is a mandate for vaccines for healthcare workers. And some of the people that are least interested in getting the vaccine, ironically enough, have worked in healthcare the longest. They've been surrounded by COVID the longest. Probably almost all of these people have had COVID would be my guess. Yet, they're talking about having to call in the National Guard now to staff hospitals. The vaccine mandate itself, in an incredible irony, might end up leading to New York hospitals being overrun and not being able to handle all the patients. It's it's not just even New York City. It's also up in, in Buffalo, you know, Erie County. Whole state. It's, this is a state. It's a statewide yeah. mandate, which is why uh, Hochul, the new governor... New governor, not much better than the old governor, got to tell you, probably makes fewer inappropriate comments to uh, to staffers. But other than that, you're getting really the same policies here. And, yeah, she may be calling in National Guard medical personnel. I mean, they're not like deploying the National Guard. They're not going to be setting up sandbags and pillboxes around hospitals. Yeah, right. But, 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 but that's a pretty big deal. What's well, a huge deal. I mean, you're, you're at a point they're telling us all the time about how the huge concern here is hospital capacity will be overwhelmed. And because of their insistence on this particular vaccine mandate, they may actually be creating a circumstance where hospital, by the way, already they've suspended inpatient surgeries. They're not taking intensive care patients from other hospitals because uh, the Erie County Medical Center, this is out west in Buffalo, which feels more like the Midwest than New York City, but it's out west in Buffalo. And they've got 400 employees who refuse to get the shot. New York City's New York Presbyterian, which is the largest hospital network in New York, you have hundreds of employees facing termination because they refuse to get the shot. There's so much here, Clay, that I think is really interesting. I mean, first off, the dynamic that this may be creating the very shortage that we've been worried about all along. But also, notice how they never deal with some important uh, important parts of this story, like how many of the 400 in this hospital, 200 in that hospital, thousands across the state, how many of them have a previous COVID infection and therefore have no reasonable medical need whatsoever for this shot? What is the likelihood that somebody has been a hospital employee for the last 18 months dealing with COVID patients, even just coming in and out of the hospital? I don't care if you're, you know, if you're a heart surgeon or a janitor, it doesn't matter. Yes. That you haven't been exposed to COVID in a way that you would have had antibodies and therefore, again, no reasonable need. As we know, they, they keep trying to slow roll this. The data makes it quite clear. Natural immunity up to this point, better than 
better than vaccinated immunity. And, you know, they won't deal with that either, Clay. And, and why is that? And how is it that it's only MAGA hat wearing evil Trump supporters who won't get the shot, comma, also nurses in some of the biggest hospital systems in the country? I feel like they might know something. And also it ties in with the, if this were truly Ebola, if this were a plague that if you get it, you're done for, healthcare workers would be leading the charge to get whatever protection they could from this. And instead, I mean, I'm fascinated by this book. We've asked this question of our listeners quite a bit in the past because this is the moment where you have to make a choice. Am I going to keep my job or am I going to get vaccinated? How many people are going to actually decide to walk away? And if they do, Buck, here's my interesting thought. There's such a demand for healthcare workers all over the country isn't there a competitive advantage for hospitals to say, hey, if you have proof of antibodies from natural immunity, we'll hire you and or we're not going to require a vaccination at all from a pure market based perspective? Wouldn't you try to recruit these healthcare professionals if you're in a different state? I mean, in other words, it's not as if these people are not in highly sought after employment possibilities. I understand there are some people out there like, man, I'm going to get the vaccine because if I don't get it. It's going to be hard for me to make the same salary doing a job like this somewhere else. I don't really think that applies for healthcare workers if they're willing to move outside of New York, which would further hurt the overall tax base of New York by driving away people who make decent salaries. All true. And have you also noticed you never see any of these doctors, nurses, or hospital staff really on TV? Oh, now you could, you could say, say think, yeah. you could say, oh, maybe they want to respect you know their privacy or whatever. Um, if you're at the point where you're facing termination already, I, I have a feeling there'd be people who are willing to speak up. You know, it's not hard for CNN to get doctors who are like, triple mask, mask in the shower, I mask alone on your tricycle. I cry myself to sleep every night because my job's so yeah, hard. I've oh seen those God. people you know, interviewed every day for 18 months. It, this is That's not hard. Somehow they can always find those doctors and nurses. You know, the nurse that, that'll sit there and say, you know, oh, the, you know, the, the final words of every patient I've had is, I wish I had listened to Anderson Cooper more and, you know, gotten the third, the third booster. I, I mean, wish I was as healthy as Brian Stelter. Yeah. So, you know, you keep hearing this stuff. You see this and I'm sorry, but there's obviously an unwillingness for any of the media to show this side of the story. And there's, there's also a huge double standard in who, who are we still as a society trying to, uh, shame and coerce into getting the shot? And who are we very gentle with and say, hey, you know, it would be really great. I, I don't want to I don't want to get, you know, because of social justice or historical injustice or whatever. I don't want to be too rough here, but I think it would be really nice if you would get the shot. Some groups get that treatment in the media and from the Democrat Party and other groups, of course, as you know, I mean, basically the the Trump supporter you know, archetype. in red states, in red states, it's you're killing people, you're murdering people. No, that's that's not true. But nonetheless, this is the situation. Did you, by the way, you see the data on who's uh, yes uh, on on how the people who are vaccinated 
half more of afraid them, still of COVID half of than them the people who are unvaccinated. Are, it's crazy. Are, are scared of breakthrough, terrified day. And this is what we've been saying all along. It's the masked up vaccinated people who are driving so many of these policies because they don't trust the vaccines enough. They're ter- they don't give a crap about what's happening in red states to people. That's just meant to shame everybody into compliance so that they in their blue state with their vaccines can feel so much better. And the unvaccinated in the same poll that Clay and are talking about, we're like, yeah, I'm not, you know, I'm just, I'm just not that worried about it. By the way, for some of them, that's a risk that I would advise against. I would advise against. I would not try to mandate anything. If but you're 80 years old and obese and you're not afraid of COVID, shot. you should probably should get the please. vaccine. If, if yes. you know, if you're if you're 75 and have hypertension, you know, if you're 65 and you're, you know, 40, 50 pounds, really overweight, you know, maybe a little more, please get the shot. But if you're 35 and you're sitting around. You know, uh, you know, having daydreams about how amazing Brian Stelter is for Clay's earlier comment. Yes. You watch so much CNN and you're already vaccinated. Please stop driving around New York City in a, a bicycle on a bicycle with a mask on. I'm just I'm begging the bicycle people to stop with the masks. There's a lot of them here in New York. They got because I, I assure you, we're not talking tandem bikes here, folks. Solo bikes. There's no doubt. And they're probably saying to you, well, why don't you get off your uh, your mobile uh, your scooter first? Scooter people, I'll have you know, are far less likely to mask up. We're a more <laughs> uh, we're a more civilized and data driven bunch. Mr. Travis, I can see it over your shoulder there. Uh, in the meantime, the Tunnel to Towers Foundation works to serve those that have served us and they're doing good every day across this country. Foundation's done incredible things this year, and there's even more to come. They're gifting 200 mortgage-free homes to America's heroes and their families. Their chairman and CEO walked hundreds of miles this summer to remind us of the attacks and the tragedies experienced on 9-11. He finished in downtown Manhattan, where he retraced his baby brother's footsteps the morning of 9-11. They also lit up the sky at the Pentagon and in Shanksville for memorials. And Buck, our own Allie on the staff is going to talk to us about what she did to help honor all of those people this weekend as well. That's right. Recognizing those we lost in the war on terror in a ceremony on Veterans Day, that's still going to happen. It's going to be a really emotional, really powerful event. And between Thanksgiving and New Year's, they'll give away, get this, they'll give away a home a day, a mortgage-free home to those we need to honor from the war on terror, from 9-11, in their season of hope, they're calling it. The season of hope, a mortgage-free home given away every day between Thanksgiving and New Year's. Think about how that changes the lives of those that we have a debt of honor to in uh, the 9-11 era. Help Tunnel to Towers do good. Donate $11 a month at T2T.org. That's T, the number 2, T.org. More Than a Movie is back with season two of the award-winning film podcast, and this time with a lot more movies. I'm your host, Alex Fumero, and each week I'm going to talk to the people behind some of my favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the OG spy kid, Alexa Penavega. You had Carlo Gugino, who's the coolest mom ever. You had Antonio, who's handsome, amazing, charismatic. And then Carvin and Juni. I felt like a lot of other kids felt like this could be me. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Every episode will feature interviews with the biggest actors, directors, writers, and producers behind your favorite films and tap into the history of Latinos in film. 
Listen to More Than a Movie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose Podcast. On Purpose is dedicated to helping you be happier, healthier, and more healed. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how he got comfortable with fear, navigating the changes in relationships, and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. This conversation shows a never-seen-before side to Orlando Bloom and his unique life journey. I think we all struggle sometimes to really deeply believe that we are enough, that we're valued, that we're valuable. You know, we're imprinted by our parents from the age of zero to seven, right? Mm. I'm constantly trying to go like, how do I detach from my, from this idea of what, do, is, that, is that my baggage? I look like my baggage. I mean, I know, oh, okay, that's mine. Let's unpack that. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. The stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. A couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. Two weeks ago, I opined that it was fine to get rid of the old anthem. We just shouldn't have two. The program The View last week devoted a lot of time to this while somehow avoiding what I actually said. It seemed to be a lot about a need to school me on the black national anthem itself. Whoopi Goldberg said we need two anthems because, quote, we're having to re-educate people because nothing ever goes wrong when you start talking about re-education. <laughs> just ask Chairman Mao. If we have two anthems, why not three or five? Why not a woman's anthem, a Latino anthem, a gay, trans, indigenous peoples, an Asian Pacific Islander anthem? Welcome back to Clay Travis and Buck Point Show. This is Buck, and that was Bill Maher, who, look, he's a leftist, and if you listen to him enough, he's going he's gonna to upset a lot of conservatives with much of what he said. But occasionally, occasionally, and actually not even that rarely, he says something... Because he, know, he knows wokeness is self-destroying and corrosive and ultimately self-defeating uh, for the left because it consumes its own. It, it always will. And that's what it will devolve into. And that's why when he mentions things like Mao and the Cultural Revolution, you go back and look at what happened in China during the Cultural Revolution. Something that's not taught in this country really at all in our history classes. People don't learn about this because of the affinity for socialism and communism that so much of academia has. They don't tell you the truth about this stuff. But the notion of a multiple anthem country or having multiple anthems in America should be so obviously absurd. And yet, Clay, people think that this is the way the country should go forward. I, I, can you imagine if a if a different group came forward and said, we need to have our own anthem, how the left would I think, I mean, obviously depends on the group, but how the left would react to that. I mean, you know, it's a little bit like. You can only say, as we've been told by the wokeness, uh, black lives matter. You say any other yes. lives matter and you are diminishing BLM and you're diminishing black lives. So do they get, uh, you know, I think it'd be fascinating. He makes a good point. But do you think if someone came forward and said we need a, a, a Latino American national anthem that that would go over? Well, I, I, I wonder. I think probably not. 
first of all, I think Bill Maher killed. I really do. Uh, and, and honestly, uh, I do. A little, Clay, I, I got I to back you been, a little bit, a little bit, Red Pill, like a tiny sliver of it. I think that comedians should be Red Pill proponents because you can't be a great comic unless you push the bounds, typically push the bounds of acceptable norms in society. That is where comedy thrives is on dare we say, the penumbra of acceptability and this censorious nature that we live in now where people say, oh, I'm offended by that joke. It's the antithesis of everything that standing on the mic with a standing on the stage with a mic represents, whether you're a black comic like uh, 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 the guy, Kevin Hart, who just lost the Oscars because of old jokes or whether you're a white comic who is also getting raked over the coals. And to your point, Buck, we did this on the Outkick the Coverage radio program. I, I thought it was so ridiculous when they started playing the Black National Anthem that rather than respond with outrage or indignate indignation, I went after humor. And so we created our own anthem, as, as Bill Maher just reflected. We had an Outkick National Anthem that we played which featured the Black National Anthem, the White National Anthem, the Hispanic National Anthem, the Asian National Anthem, the Women's National Anthem, and the gay, straight, you know, the gay, trans, LBGT, whatever Justin Trudeau couldn't say last week. We had all six of those, and we rolled it together in a comedic fashion. Sounds like... It's a mixtape. There we go. I and mean, that's the is... way, to me, you ridicule it. If you get upset, if you get upset that people are like, oh, you, you've got white fragility. You're unable. Like, that's the, that's the, oh, you're racist for even thinking of this. No, no. The way you ridicule the idea of a national anthem and a black national anthem is by expanding it to its logical conclusion, which is well, Asian people deserve well, their well, this anthem. This is also Hispanic, why white, I, everybody does. Yeah, this is why it's so instructive when you have Justin Trudeau, who ins- he is the perfect, the yes. perfect liberal. I mean, I was Canadian, perfect but the perfect sort of liberal. Western liberal yes. in, in so many capacities, because for one thing, he has a, a history of, I mean, I, you know, this guy was wearing blackface at parties on a regular, like, this is crazy, right? I mean, this wasn't, it wasn't yes. even like a one-off. He did it multiple times, which is just, and then beyond that, when he tries to do the LGBTQ plus yeah. thing, you could tell it's not so much that he couldn't even just say it or, you know, mouth the various letters, but you could tell there was a panic in his brain as he was saying it that he was leaving off the z or the or the uh you know or the g or the you know he was leaving off a letter and therefore yes. would be giving offense and has to he has to know that the reason the acronym has become what it is is because they keep adding to it right so w- w- wokeness is ever expanding because it doesn't end it's very yeah, it's, it's very nature is a demand for power it's a yes. demand for the transfer of There's, power from some to others more. and and it's and they'll say it's about equality, but actually, as we see, for example, even with something like the Black National Anthem, it's it's about changing power dynamics. It's not about equalizing power dynamics with people. They want to transfer, in their minds, cultural power and authority from some to others. That's why there is a, Marxist, a Marxist twang, if you will, at the heart of so much of wokeness. No doubt. And, Buck, it doesn't end. That's what I keep, uh, I think you have to keep hammering home, because there's some people out there... Uh, that will say, okay, well, why do you care? This is not that big of a deal. And I care because it really is a slippery slope. The precedent you set continues to be taken advantage of. And by the way, 
Justin Trudeau and Chris Cuomo and everybody of that universe who claims that they're uh, that they're feminists or whatever it is. Male feminists. Male feminists. I mean, all they're doing is just trying to get as much attention from women as they can, and that's one of the ways they get it, right? He's like, oh, I, I'm, a, I'm a huge feminist. That's their You're point. You're listening to Clay Travis and Buck Sexton on the EIB Network. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie. Because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to More Than a Movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how to get comfortable with fear and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. People say, what are you afraid of, right? I'm afraid of fear because it's like I want to confront anything in my life that feels challenging on those levels. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. The stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening.